Indeed Pod, a podcast about indie tabletop role-playing games where I interview creators about their games and inspirations and about the theory, process and practice of game design. My name is Mark Shepard, your host today and always, and your friendly local indie enthusiast. Today we're talking to Tanya Floker about Lo Thy Dread Empire, a narrative war game where you fight as undead workers in the skeleton war against the forces of the death cult of capitalism. This game, and indeed this interview, really goes some places, so have a listen and then go back this campaign while you still can. Now that's out of my head and into yours, let's talk indie. Okay, so today we're talking to Tanya. Hi there, Tanya, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me back. It's always lovely to to hear your dulcet tones and (laughs) to be talking in person even better. Likewise, absolutely. Yeah, I think you were on last year or the year before. Yeah, it was Scene Quest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that was last year. Yes, this is Zine Quest 4, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to confuse everybody. wrong time of year, and then there'll be, before we know it, Zine Quest 5, just a few months away. Let alone Side Quest in between, or Zine Month, or whatever it is yeah, it's called well, nowadays. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I know, Kickstarter really thrown us for six, or knocked us for six, whatever the... <laughs> anyway, would you like to take a minute to introduce yourself <laughs> and let us know what you do in the indie tabletop role-playing game scene? Yes, I'm Tanya Floker. I'm based in Edinburgh in Scotland. I help organise an indie games club called Edinburgh Indie Gamers. It's a club that's dedicated to small press and indie and story game titles. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So twice a month we do pick-up game sessions. Once a month it's in person now, and once a month we do it online. Except in August, which is coming up because of the Edinburgh Festival, every single venue becomes a, a festival venue, so we just do two online sessions. Fair enough. But um, that's sort of like my gaming stuff locally. In the tabletop role-play game scene, got a bit of a history making fanzines for different games. I've published a couple of zines, one with Ed and Brandy Gamers last year, and I've also published one of my own games as a full book. It's called Be Seeing You, and it's a game about dystopian surveillance states and commentating on ideas of rugged individualism and how it can or can't deal with systemic problems. Be Seeing You is like it's really wonderful. It's a tour de force of a book, actually. I'm really impressed with both the production quality, but also the, the writing quality in that book. I think is really wonderful. So if anyone hasn't checked it out there must be some people out there i guess then please go and go and have a look at it is it still available actually you know yeah thank you very much for saying those kind words yeah it's available um both through itch as a pdf along with all the sort of handouts and what have you but it's also available in the uk you can just go into your friendly local game store and ask them to order it in because it's actually sitting with uh, there's a, a distributor called Spiral Galaxy. All right. If you say to your local game shop, even if they just do board games normally, uh, Spiral Galaxy are mainly a board game distributor. You just say, can you order this in? And they'll, they'll be able to, to get you a nice copy of it. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And um, I think Leisure Games have copies. and Yes, they do. I saw it in Leisure Games uh, on their website the other day. So yeah, definitely have it there. Yeah, please go and check that out because it is a cool game. 
today, though, you're here to talk about something else. Would you like to tell us about Low Thy Dread Empire? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so, Low Thy Dread Empire, uh, its tagline is um, grimdark wargaming powered by a, an undying anti-capitalist heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, sort of a sort of an anti-capitalist version of Warhammer, I guess. <laughs> well, in many ways, yes. And <laughs> excellent. But it's also my, I know about yourself, Max. But when I was first hit the gaming scene, and I was a lot younger in the UK, I think I'll, it's impossible to get involved, even with like tabletop role play yep. gaming or yep. anything without without Games Workshop. <laughs> it sure <So>. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looms above us. So it was definitely uh, something I, when I was younger, I was really a lot more invested in, especially Games Workshop themselves, their products. Yeah. So th- yeah. Things like the, the Realms of Chaos books were these huge tomes that had like narrative warband campaigns in it. And then later on, there was uh, Confrontation, which then became Netcommunda. It was re- reimagined as Netcommunda later on. And even Blood Bowl and stuff like that, where you had yeah, these. Yeah. There's a great sort of narrative heart to a lot of that. There was a lot of yeah, almost like a, a story layer to it that was even today is missing from some war games. I think it's really interesting because I'm from Nottingham, so it was impossible to avoid mm. this, like mm. literally impossible. Like if you were if you were eight, nine, ten, eleven, like you would be aggressively targeted by Games Workshop. But the bit that I always loved the most about Games Workshop was not the game part; mm. it was actually all the lore, like yeah. the codexes, the codices. Uh, mm-hmm. They were absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating mm-hmm. to me. I absolutely loved looking through the codices of the different space marine chapters that my friend's <laughs> older brother had <laughs> and like i am absolutely yeah. terrible at war games they are not at all my forte i cannot paint at all and i can't play the games because i have no strategic mind but absolutely totally there for the narrative i mean but perhaps people could have seen this yeah, coming well, really this <laughs> is where out of that sort of like whole sort of like web of almost like interconnected hobbies like you say there's the lore and the stories and the, the sort of gaming and the painting and everything the sort of in-house organ of games workshop is white dwarf magazine yeah and it would have these battle reports in it each month yes for those so that good. haven't seen one of these it's like um two games workshop employees sitting down and they've played a game so a game of warhammer or fantasy battle or 40k or whatever else and they've written down what happened while they're playing and they keep notes and they take photos of the table and what have you and then after the fact what's happened is they then narrativize the experience so they write up a, ba- a report of what the battle consisted of but it isn't just like a set of chess moves or sort of computer program instructions yeah it talks about the ebb and flow of the battle and the the luck it played a part in the how everything sort of interconnected and how it felt. It really came across in reading these battle reports and I remember just being hooked on them. As much as playing the game, it was almost like a way of learning the game, but also like when we play roleplay games, a lot of the time we'll play a roleplay game and then we'll sit with our friends afterwards and we'll narrativize the procedural stuff that happened. Yeah. There's a story that emerges from the game, like the fiction layer that we skim off the top and talk about rather than the social table layer and the the layer of rules that we were interacting with. We just take that narrative layer and and really talk about that. And so with Low Thy Dread Empire, Mm. my background in sort of writing games, most of them are are what you do, narrativist games or story games. And so I've came at the design of Low Thy Dread Empire with that same almost design 
ethos, but put it to use to create a war game. Yeah. The relationship between Warhammer and D&D is quite close. You can see how they have stat blocks and, and wounds or hit points, and they have rolls to hit and rolls to wound, and they have like a lot of similarities. Yeah. So they do their things very different, but they have a, a sort of common design ancestry. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like Low Thy Dread Empire has that sort of closeness with role play games from the, the sort of like story games boom of the early 2000s and mid 2000s. Well, they kind of powered by the apocalypse and f- other yeah. Forge era yeah. story gaming traditions. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I feel like it. You end up with a game. It's still a war game. You've got army lists and you're buying troops and units. You're lining them up and you've, you've got a map, a battlefield map. But instead of just sort of like being hung up on the sort of like minute of stats, um, I'm rolling a big bucket of dice and, and trying to like use the tactics in that sort of simulation of the battle. What we're trying to do is have that be the, the impetus to engaging the mechanics. And then the mechanics to then give you some sort of novel outcome, and then that outcome to lead straight back into the narrative, which you mentioned Powered by the Apocalypse, that's the same sort of loop. It is, Games from that that sort of way of designing, so definitely has some influence on on where my my brain's at. Also, I'm pretty sure Apocalypse World has some rules for big sweeping battles, which definitely I've read, so are kicking about in my brain. Vincent and Mag have done quite a lot of work recently on updating a lot of those rules as part of Mm. Burned Over. That should also tie really nicely into what's been happening maybe in sort of wider pbta as well that's really cool yeah i mean how does it feel to play okay so what you do is you start with a pool of powerpoints usually about 100 points in a a sort of the demo game version that i've put out and you use this for a lot of different things but the first thing you do is you build your army out of that but you don't want to use all 100 you want to have some left over so you build your army by there's there's different stats and you, you pay more for higher stats but instead of it just being a numeric advantage each one you buy, you add a tag right. to a certain category. Like early to mid 2000s story games, I see what's yeah. going on here, right? <laughs> Big news, like yeah. Everything was tags back then. There was tags and tags and tags and tags. But what we do is, is use that in the same sort of paradigm. of So you've got maybe um, tags for equipment tags. You've got tags for your morale. You've got tags for your the, the force that you're a part of, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you build your units, end up with a bunch of tags, then use rules to deploy them and give them orders. And you also have a bit of power bidding over placement of items on the battlefield. Mm. So if you want to have scout out advantageous terrain or prevent your opponent from taking advantage of terrain, there's a little bit of tussle back and forth, which uses those power points as well. Nice. It also uses like troops that have got tags that would be appropriate for scouting, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you've, you've got a little bit of already bringing in the narrative of what's going on as you, you try and pick the, the ideal battlefield. And then during the game, you basically move your troops. You can move them any way you want. You've secretly given each of your, your units orders and they kind of have to move within those orders. And if they move outside of them, it just means that they're going to work at a disadvantage later in the game. Right. There's a mechanism for supplying new orders to troops or for troops taking their own initiative. It depends which faction you're in at all. The demo version doesn't have this, but eventually which faction you're playing will have a, a different mechanism for how you deal with movement on the battlefield because 
Mm-hmm. One side is strictly hierarchical, and the other side is going to be a horizontally organized, and that will change how power flow dynamics work. I think that kind of ties into my next question, which is that I've seen from your promo materials that this is kind of an anti-capitalist game. And mm. I sort of wanted to know, apart from the mechanics of hierarchies there, what, what does that look like and feel like? Yeah, so the, well, the, the main thing I think is that it has got this gorgeously Baroque setting. <laughs> I, I'm so lucky. The artist I'm working with, uh, Julian Avalian, is amazing and has put together some art uh, in the past that really inspired my design. Yeah. Like, she'd already made the, the, the art pieces that are in the, the promo material and that will appear on the Kickstarter page. All of those already existed before I started really... I, I'd had a sort of nebulous idea of this game for a while and then I seen her art and I was like, I'm going to design for that. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. When yeah. I finished the, the sort of like bare bones of the game and I approached Julia and I said, um, I would really like it if I could work with you on this. And I talked about how we're going to deal with it, that she'll get paid up front from the Kickstarter at full union rate for all her art. And then if there's any profit over and above that, it's not going to me with 50-50 splitting. Amazing. I see it like a worker's co-op. That's really good, yeah. It's kind of amazing that you have been able to design a game around somebody's artwork rather than not doing it the other way around, but like sometimes it feels like you make a game and then you have to find an artist whose work matches your vision. But doing it the other way around must absolutely make that synergy completely watertight, you know? (laughs) I I was really lucky because I did sort of start designing the game and then I approached Julia saying, would you work on this? And Could have gone the other way, yeah. <laughs> could have gone the other way. She took a look over it and was like, I love what you're doing. And awesome. I, and, I, and it was mutual. I was absolutely smitten with her art, so <laughs> it's working out. Anyway, the, the, the art really conveys this sort of like, there's a term used in sort of wargaming circles at the moment, Blanchesu, which mm-hmm. is like John Blanche's like art style, that sort of messy, oh, right, heavily yeah. detailed baroque style that kind of comes across in that way the world itself is like this the remnants of of the earth that's overly polluted there's a sickly light like bleeding through the sky there's nothing but rubble and dirt underfoot it's grim dark to the the max like alien looking edifices to capital have been built up the death cults of capital yeah They believe that they have won. That now all that remains is them to bleed every last piece of toil out of existence. And reality itself has started to break down as a result. They think they've killed off all the opposition. And usually in a sort of like, even a slightly brighter setting, it'd be like, they were wrong. There was somebody there that was ready to put up a fight. And I was like, well, what could be... What goes into the grim dark territory with this game is like, no, no, the death cults of capitalism were right. Nobody has been left alive that will fight back. What's been left is the undead coming back oh, to fight no. their final struggle. Fair and enough. Imagine like hands bursting from under the ground with clenched fists, ready yeah. to rise up <laughs> in revolution. Tanya, you're nothing if not heavy-handed with the metaphor here. But... Oh, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing subtle about this. This is. This is. <laughs> I kind of feel like this is my pressure release after the past few years. Yes. Absolutely. This is a a, a crank it all the way up to 11. Horror, (laughs) but also we were talking before we started recording about like, you like that I I reference things from all over the place with my game. Yeah, yeah. So like, weirdly, even though it won't appear in the art and it probably won't really appear in the text directly, but there's a lot of influence from Celtic mythology 
going on. Okay. Effectively, when you run into the undead in Celtic Myth, it's very rarely just like, here's a zombie hack its head off. It's often like, these are warriors who've been brought back to fight some great fight. Right. Or there's been some grave injustice. Yeah. Or there's they're there to sort of prevent a greater evil, or, or something's going wrong with the balance of things. And they're there not necessarily as antagonists, but as people you can talk with and maybe gain wisdom from and maybe work with. That's really interesting. I think that, like, vengeful spirit, or not necessarily vengeful, but, like, something that's fighting for an injustice does appear, yeah, in Western mythology infrequently. And... Well, what, am I th- what is it that I'm thinking of? I am thinking of the ghosts from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the yeah, ghost yeah. pirate army, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got this sort of, like, idea of the undead arising up. Basically, you've got crypts that are acting as uh, union halls for skeleton unions, <laughs> okay? You've got Mujeris Zombista, who are feminist zombies who have worked collectively... <laughs> To regain control of their bodies from those that would control them. I mean, I refer you to my earlier comment about heavy-handed metaphors. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I love it, I love it. It is not subtle. Um, (laughs) It's like one of the factions of the spirits of revolt, Mark. Come on. (laughs) Have we got any hobgoblins stalking Europe? I mean, come on. (laughs) Oh dear, no, no. Um, (laughs) But the internationale was an inspiration, the the whole arise the workers from your slumber. (laughs) Was gotcha. 100% there. That's incredible. Arise, okay, like the undead often get called to, to rise up. And so like, like you've got the different capitalist factions that are sort of tied into their own destruction. They want to just have this sort of like neither living nor dead world just constantly in toil. And then you've got the undead who are fighting for life and death itself. Yeah. Like they want to liberate both life and death so they can they can be put to rest as well Mm. it sounds wonderful um it reminds me a little it reminds me of two things and one of them is brinkwood which you know i don't know if you're Mm. familiar with yeah yeah. Uh, it's a blades in the dark game and it's about robin hood versus evil capitalist overlords who (laughs) happen to look like vampires that's kind of the alternative spin on that i guess Mm. which is that the undead are evil (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) but not in the classic way yeah having the 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 capitalist vampires quite a a sort of has a strong tradition there and it was great to see that game yeah and then the other one is just band of blades in general it's sort of got a very war gamey feel and it's very very horror inspired Mm. but again the undead are the bad guys there and i'm very down with the undead being i mean if not the good guys oh they're the good guys (laughs) they're they're the side you want to root for they're Definitely are, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes me wonder why anyone would want to play as the capitalist death cults, but, you know, yeah, also that yeah. does sound quite fun. It's very Merkborgish, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got lots of, like, cultists with long knives and uh, ghoul clans. Yeah, that does sound fun, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, all, there's all sorts of nastiness going on there. Bureaucratic necromancers and all sorts so i mean if you can if you can sneak you know npcs like jeff bezos and elon musk into it somehow <laughs> then you'd definitely be winning i think well one of the one of the uh, i've not really <laughs> oh no. Not, no no i've not actually mentioned this before but um one of the backer levels there's 10 slots available where you get to create uh a, like a major npc for one of the factions and that npc you'll get that will actually appear on a token sheet that comes with the game Oh, and will appear in the it's book. It's very tempting. Yeah, yeah. And so there's going to be like I think ten slots for that because there are five factions and five groups on each each faction. I sort see. Of. Yeah. So you, you 
folks can actually oh, create an NPC. I'll work with them to create their history, how it fits with the faction, come up with some quotes. It'll be like special characters in a, a Games Workshop product. On, oh, uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> oh, level of detail. Fantastic. That segues almost perfectly into my next standard question, which mm. does imply you've done this before. Mm. So... Tanya, would you like to tell us a little bit about what the Kickstarter campaign is going to look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like, it starts out just for the basic funding as a zine, Mm -hmm. like staple-bound zine option. But then, hopefully, if funding goes a little bit beyond that, there'll be options for it being perfect-bound as a book. Makes it a little bit hardier with the better quality cover and better binding. Lots more art. So, to start with, I'll be able to afford one of the existing pieces of art for the cover. But then hopefully very quickly, all things going well, I'll be commissioning brand new cover art that hasn't been seen before and also adding more and more art to the book as it hopefully I get more money to pay for art. Fantastic. But then as well as the sort of zine option, which eventually could even become a hardback option if things go well. Very nice. As well as that, there's an option to add in two A3 play aids and they'll be folded down to A5 size. But one of them, you open it up like a big poster. One side will have a lovely uh, big bit of artwork on it nice. from the book. And you can turn it over and on the other side will be a battlefield ready to use. Ah, so cool. Yeah. Okay, so you've got a nice big A3 sheet that you could put down on your games table on a games night and have a game I'm with. I'm very into that. <laughs> the second sheet, another big A3 foldy out sheet will have, um, you can cut that one up. Yeah. Rule summary sheet for both players and it'll have tokens for different units and terrain Ooh, that you can nice. place down on the map okay super so cool the the people who back at the level to have their own special character inserted into the game those will have tokens on the sheet nice yeah I that's really like cool the, yeah the whole direction that's going in like my last one would be seeing you we, we had lots of stickers and a lot more plates and a lot of bits and bobs and gubbins i'm simplifying that a little and just keeping it to the book the, the sort of like the zine or book mm. And the play aids, yeah. yeah. And there's a cheaper option for folks that maybe haven't got as much money, because I know what that's like. There's a, an early access to the PDF, but I don't know if you'd seen with Be Seeing You. Um, I'm a big believer that digital files should be free at the point of download. So while you can pay me for a copy, there's I think I've put a million free copies on, on itch. Amazing. So anyone can download that. And I'll, I'll kind of done the same with this, that if you back at the PDF level, means that you'll get early access on the pdf but eventually i will do a a sort of free release on that as well yeah because i think once i've funded if i've got enough to get making it julia's got the money for art we've maybe got a little bit left over for like just having a a nice cup of tea at the end of the day (laughs) after that the game's out there i I really want people just to play it so when's that campaign running oh yeah it's running (laughs) from the 2nd of august until the 18th of august Two weeks and two days. You'll have, think from the time this goes out, you probably have about a week left to back it. So better go and do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get, get going. Harking back to be seeing you, you know, if it's anything like the production value on that, I think it's going to be absolutely wonderful. Especially if you do get it to the hardcover edition. It's going to be better. Uh, I've learned a lot. And I think that's just the way of doing this sort of thing is each time I take a step, I do I do one new thing. Yeah. But then I've got a whole lot of other things that I've already figured out. So I, I kind of feel like if I were redoing BC New today, it would have better layout. Like the layout's okay. Like it's not as good as the layout for yeah. Low Thy Dread Empire will be. I kind of feel like the new thing is working with another 
person working with an artist, yeah, which yeah. I haven't done up to now on a, a product that I've I've published fully. So we'll see how that goes. I have worked with other artists on things like fanzines and mm-hmm. and political zines and artistic zines in the past. So it's not completely new to me, but it's a different experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's every time's a slightly different collaborative so rather than commissioning, which is yeah, that's really interesting. So I've given myself a bit more time on the delivery. Anyone that's backed one of my kickstarters in the past knows that I'm I'm really fast off the mark when it comes to fulfilling them. Yeah, and I I try and always hit my target. I think I almost always have. With this one, I've said it's going to be June, June 2023. Everyone will have their awards by then. Very confident. Yeah, very confident that will be the case. I believe in you. (laughs) I reckon it'll be just after Christmas, to be honest. Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Give myself the proper wiggle room. We'll not hold you to it, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you very much for telling us all about that. You know, I really look forward to seeing it go live on Kickstarter. And I think everyone should go and check it out at least because, as you said, the Kickstarter page is going to be completely gorgeous with all that amazing art. So, yeah, Mm. let's check it out. Thank you very much for giving me uh, a little bit of space to talk about it. It's really amazing. Well, before you disappear, do you want to tell us where we can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So if you look on either Instagram or Twitter, it's at Time of Tribes. You can also find me at timeoftribes.itch.io, timeoftribes.com. Oh, that's very straightforward, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pick a username, stick to it. And I'm sure one of those will have the very annoying long Kickstarter link. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I think I've already redirected timeoftribes.com to Mega. Kickstarter. There you go. You go. <laughs> we'll be able to find that then. And I guess all that remains for me to say, Tanya, is thank you very much for coming on Yes Indeed Pod and fantastically good luck with Low Thy Dread Empire. Thank you very much, Marks, and thanks for having me on. It's been amazing as ever. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Tanya for the interview. As always, you can find all of the links in the episode description. Next time, we're carrying on our ZineQuest 2022 event with an interview with Brooklet Games about Worldlings, their TTRPG zine of quirky and fragile animistic godlings with old souls and hidden greatness. This sounds rather lovely, so tune in next time to find out more. This week's episode has been kindly sponsored by Grumpy Bear Stuff. Daily Dread is a pre-apocalyptic cyber-dystopian tabletop role-playing game created by tabletop RPG veteran Daniele Fossetto and Zeus Longhi. It's Cyber Orwellian 1984, set in future Italy. Play as a broken wing, a citizen of a dystopian future trying to survive the reforms of the authority of freedom. Defend yourself from the mala lingua, the propagandistic language of the authority, and get help from operators of the Rorschach's machine, a device that foresees the consequences of your future. Daily Dread will be on Kickstarter at the end of August 2022 as part of ZineQuest 4. If you want to know more, you can subscribe to the newsletter at dailydreadrpg.com, where you can also download the full system reference document. This week, I'd like to thank some of my incredible Patreon supporters. Audrey Shankle, Patrick Buchner, Thomas Elliott, Carl Rigney, Dono McCarthy, Craig Duffy, and Dale Blackburn. Thank you all so much. We couldn't do what we do without you. And you, yes you, can get a regular shout out and joyful thanks too if you go to patreon.com slash yesindeedpod and sign up today. You'll get access to our Discord server where we can hang out and chat, and even join monthly editing streams and the Yes Indeed Pod book club. 
Most of the money will go directly to creators rather than to me, so you'll be helping to invest directly in the indie scene to make it a healthy and inclusive place for years to come. And if you can't commit regularly, you can always help out by rating and reviewing the show wherever you find your podcasts, or by donating through the Ko-Fi page at ko-fi.com slash yesindeedpod. Of course, you can always reach out to me through Twitter at yesindeedpod, that's Y-E-S-I-N-D-I-E-D-P-O-D. I'd love dearly to hear from you. Lastly, music credits. All music is taken from Be Quiet by Yatsar from the Free Music Archive, released under Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 International License. Thanks, Yatsar. Until next time, remember, does indie need you? Yes, indeed.